Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Peace Be Unto You. It shall be focused on the study of John chapter 20. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the peace of the Holy Ghost that surpasses all understanding, that is shed abroad in our hearts. We pray, Father, may we be found, Lord, with that personal experience, the life of Christ in us. Lord, the hope of glory. We thank Thee for all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next... We shall listen to John chapter 20. Chapter 20 The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Painted Face Jezebel. This was preached in 1956 on October the 3rd. We'll begin at paragraph 1 up to paragraph 60. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Thank you very much. Shall we pray while we see? Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for this privilege of being here again and for this great gathering, this assembling of your people together. You promised that if we would do this and pray, then you'd hear from heaven. And we know that thou wilt do this because it's your promise. And we pray that you'll move on us with Christ tonight, baptize especially with the Holy Spirit, get glory out of the service, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. The meetings are almost too short. They just, um, I first thought when Joseph mentioned this to me that according to my schedule I could only stay two days. And then we set it up a little farther by the courtesy of the other uh, place that I was going and um, we got to make it five days. And so I told Joseph that I was going to have to kind of make this kind of my trip to kind of stay away from Chicago a little while because I'm here too much. Hey, I wear my welcome out, I'm afraid. <laughs> and um, someone said many times that if you want to call Brother Branham, if he ain't home, call Chicago. And if he ain't there, call Shreveport, Louisiana. He'll be one of those places as Brother Joseph or Brother Moore at Shreveport. And last, this last fall, this early this fall or late summer, I was at Shreveport in a tent revival. And I told Brother Moore, I said, now, Brother Moore, there's a lot of the brethren in the eastern country and different places I've never visited, and they look at that, and it, I'm afraid it's going to offend them a little, and I said, now, I'll kind of let up a little around Shreveport in Chicago after I finish these meetings that I got. 
until unless the Lord would call me to do something different, and then um, until I visit some of the other brethren around. And now someone was telling me, I believe Billy last night, the night before, said there were some brethren wanted to meet me in order to find out about some time to have some meetings. Well, now, I don't make any of the meetings, any of the itinerary. The itinerary is all made up at Shreveport, Louisiana. See, there's several of us in this group. And if one makes it up and the other makes it up, and the other, then we have to, well, this fellow made it wrong, so we have to cancel that. And oh my, that hurts. After Dunn had the promise. And the, the fish life work is Brother Moore at Shreveport, Louisiana. And, uh, and we got open gates. If we don't go overseas right away after Christmas, we got some open dates then. Now come on until the last date that I have now is in um, Lima, Ohio, with the Baptist people at an auditorium, beginning on January the 10th through the 15th at Lima, Ohio. That's my last date that I know of at this time. Now, I think from there, they've got some in California that they're going to make some dates in California up around San Francisco and then down in the San Fernando Valley with the Spanish people, Phoenix, for just a few nights, and they're coming east again. Now, in the month of last of, of October and the 1st of December, after a return from Idaho, they're going to have some in, I think it's Virginia and Maryland or somewhere up in that way. There's some meetings in a, a, I don't know yet. Mr. Moore's never told me. He will let me know after I get home from this time. And uh, now, if you, I'd love to come to your place, each one of you. And we're making up some short, fast meetings, three to five nights, just around to get to visit the brethren, before making a worldwide tour, all to every major city in the world, and leaving on the East Coast, coming back to the West. And after the meeting is over, in many parts of the country, it's something on my heart. Uh, here a few weeks ago, I was in a certain city and having a meeting, which many of you are acquainted with, and uh, they had been a Lutheran college there, and in a former meeting, the man had told me I was a polyceps soothsayer because of the vision, and he wrote to me after, I, and he said, I made such a horrible way of a Bible teacher. Well, I guess that's right, but not on what he said. He said, I was surprised to hear a man that faces the people you do and make a statement that Satan can't heal. Why, well, I said, we know that Satan can heal. But in the city I come from, he said, we have a woman there that she has, she's a witch-like, and she takes the people that comes to her for a sick, and she pulls hair out of her head and plucks her veins and gets blood in it, walks down the river, throws it over her back, and as she walks up to the, up the bank, if something makes her turn around and look, the disease comes back to the people. If she doesn't, the people get well. He said, Mr. Branham, I checked, and at least 20 or 30 percent of those people get healed. And he said, now, you're just a boy with all my 47 years. He said, I was preaching before you was born. And, um, and I said, well, I wrote him back. He said, I was a, a Beelzebub. I said, now, first thing, I want to forgive you for that, brother. But what if I was right, then what have you done? See? What if I was right? See? Then what have you done? You've blessed the Holy Ghost, which is unpardonable. 
Whosoever speaks a word against them works, Jesus said, will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. And I said, I forgive you for that because I believe that you didn't understand. And I said, I love you because that you're interested enough in our Lord Jesus to try to correct me thinking I'm wrong. I said, I appreciate that. Anybody will try to correct me when I'm wrong, I, I want to be corrected. But I said, now, as far as you think that, uh, that Satan uh, could heal, I want to just give you the scripture Jesus said he could not heal. So that settles it to me. Jesus said, when they told him that he was healing by Satan, he said, if Satan can cast out Satan, then his kingdom is So I said, that settles it as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, for, I said, now, to have straightened you out about the witch, I said, certainly those people got healed. I said, there's a lot of people in the land today calling themselves divine healers. And people go to them and say, oh, i got power, i do this. But I said, certainly, they, the people get healed. I said, just same as it does for the witch. But it's not the witch that does it, neither is it the divine healer. It's the people's faith thinking they're approaching God through that witch. And God's got to recognize faith regardless of work that. You know that's right. So in this, all how the great scruple come on, and then this dean wrote me a letter and said, I want to interview with you. And the manager granted it. They take me out to a great Lutheran college and home there. And sitting at the table, I thought, well, I'll sure get it now. So he said, Brother Branham, we've been in your meetings and we're fully persuaded that it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. I thought, And he said, we ourselves as Lutherans are seeking God. He said, if it'll come from your lips that there's something different besides what we have received Christ by faith, we want to know. I said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? He said, well, I never thought of that. I said, neither did those Baptists that time in Acts 19. They were believing, shouting, screaming, having a great joy, but they hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. So Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. He said, what must we do? I said, how many of you hungry for the whole group of us? I said, we'll move back to the table and go over to the wall and kneel down. And they made a big roll around the great arena there where we had the dinner. I went around and laid hands on them, and 72 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so we're having a great time over there. Now, if God will do that in America, or Lutheran, he'll do it in Africa, Asia, wherever right. it is, for Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, or whoever hungers and thirsts for God. Right. What a great thing. Now, tonight was kind of an evangelistic night, but we want to hurry right through if we can, and tomorrow night, if I'm just a little lingering tonight, I want to ask about the testimonies. Did they come in? Many come in, Brother Joseph. Oh, you haven't had time. How many here tonight that was prayed for last night that feels that God touched your body? Let's see your hands. Now, those who prayed for last night. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. About twelve, as I see now. Yeah, I got that one over there. That's right there. All right, sir. Just about twelve, I see. Well, I think I had about nearly sixty or seventy up here. Maybe I better continue on than as I used to do, folks. I think I get better than that in the beginning. And so, 
I can't take Oral Roberts' ministry, and neither can Oral Roberts take mine. The Lord has given us both something to do, and finally get to on a minister the way the Lord has provided. So don't holler, because you're not in the line now, because God wants to heal you out there where you're sitting. That's right. I think that's the best. I think it's the best. God's a good God. He's really good. And he'll give you your desire. Like in the Bible, how uh, Thomas said, Oh, I won't believe it. Now look, all the rest of the disciples said, Sure, we believe it. Yes, sir. He's risen from the dead. We believe it. Thomas said, Oop, oop. I don't believe it. I've got, I've got to have some more now. I've got to have some evidence. I've got to put my hands in his side and so forth. For I believe it. Yes, sir. He's a good God. He said, Come here, Thomas. Now touch me. Thomas said, Oh, you're the Lord. I know you are now. So now you've seen and you believe how much greater is every water who's never seen and yet believe. See? That's it. You must believe. You notice what a time Paul had with the Corinthian church? Everyone had a tongue, had a psalm, had a some kind of something they had to do before they believed they had the Holy Ghost. See? And Paul had trouble with them. He never had that with Ephesians, Galatians, any of those. He never had to speak about it. Well they were they were people who had faith and just believed God and accepted it and and everything is all right, see? So they, uh, but God's a good God. If you want it that way, he'll give it to you. <laughs> I, I just like to believe him. Don't you just take him at his word. I just like to believe it that way. Now, may the Lord add his blessings now as we fellowship together. And tomorrow night, after tomorrow night, I guess Joseph has made the announcement that uh, it's um, Brother Osborne and Brother Tommy Hicks and Brother Ogilvy is going to be here to continue this meeting through the week. Now, uh, they are real good brothers. And uh, now, I know Brother Osborne real well. I know him real well, and I know he's a very fine brother. I know Tommy Hicks real well, and I know he's a fine brother. Now, I don't know Brother Ogilvy too well. I met him about twice, but he sure seems to be a fine brother. And I, I want you to continue to come and bring out your neighbors and everything to hear these brothers. They're a good man, or God wouldn't be using the way they are. And um, now, I've left my hometown when Billy Graham was over there, and I've always wanted to meet Billy Graham. And he's in Louisville now, preaching. My family and them attending, our churches are closed and everything, are cooperating in the meeting to do everything we can to put the effort. I live about for 85% of the alcoholic beverages is that swindles these drunken people on the streets comes from Louisville, Kentucky. And the tobacco factory, it's the seed of Satan. And you people in Chicago pray that God will anoint that advances Billy Grimm so there will be a revival break out in Louisville. Uh, this start something. And I'll pray for him, and I'll pray for him all the time, each day and every night and everything, because God's using the man in a great way. A very fine brother, so I am told. Now, over in Second Kings, in the ninth chapter and the thirtieth verse, I want to take just a little scripture here, a few words to go back in the Old Testament again to, to read. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face, tired her head, and looked out at the window. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now, we go back again in the Old Testament because the Old Testament is always a foreshadow of the New Testament. 
And the Bible said that they were examples in Hebrews 11, that they were examples. And on over in 12, it says in Hebrews, seeing that we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, that we might run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we see what God did back there to those people upon certain attitudes that they've taken towards God, and then if we find out if we'll take the same attitude that they did, we will receive the same reward that they did. You can just expect, because God never changes. He's just the same. His blessings is the same, and his penalties is the same. And Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I'm going to see, I forgot, and they brought me over to ask Billy if he'd give out prayer cards tonight. If he didn't, we'll have to get some, maybe, don't throw your card down. They'll be, how many here's got prayer cards? Raise your hand. Well, that's fine. There's enough then anyhow to, to pray for, have a prayer line if we don't. And we'll go continue right on. So I'll let up just a little on the evangelistic side tonight in order to pray for the sick. Now, Jezebel. That the name makes everybody shiver, just to say Jezebel. Uh, that is just a common name, just a name like Martha, Ruth, or Mary, or some other name. But when they just hear the name Jezebel, it was all because of one woman that took the wrong road. Now, I'd imagine Jezebel, just because she had the name of Jezebel, didn't make her what she was. It wasn't her name that did that. It was her attitude. That's what made it. And the name should make us shiver like the attitude that she took ought to make us shiver. But you mentioned Jezebel, ooh, my, but mentioned some of her sin. Oh, well, that's all right. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the name that made her. It was her sin that made her shiver made her what she was. Your name don't make you what you are. It's your character that makes you. Your character molds you and makes you what you are. I've always said, let me go into a man's house and let him stand out on the street and testify, sing, shout, speak with tongues, dance in the spirit, anything he wants to do. Let me go into his house and look at these old pinup girls all around the wall. Let me look at these magazines that he's reading here on his desk and listen to him turn the radio on to some of that African nonsense of rock and roll and boogie-woogie. I can tell you right now what kind of a spirit he's got. <laughs> See what it feeds on? I don't care how much he carries on out there on the street. Here's what he's really feeding on. That's his diet. That's right. I mean, how much, no matter how well he claims and how good society and what he's standing and what his social status is, that doesn't make a bit of difference. Watch what his spirit feeds on. What music he listens to, what he reads, what he looks at. You can tell what he's made out of then. And his character and it will always tell. Now, Jezebel was perhaps just a lovely little girl at one time. She bounced around on her mother's knee and probably with her dad and just like any other little girl. And Never did that Papa and Mama ever think that her name would go down in history as one of the outstanding examples of cruelty and sin 
one of the greatest among women names that's in the Bible, or in history of any world. Lady Maccabee wouldn't compare with her. And Lady Maccabee was arrested in Oklahoma smoking a cigar for speeding driving a carriage through the street. When Dr. Ed in the great meeting was asked when he told the story of her, when all the religions of the world had met here about a 50 or 60 years ago, and he told this story of how horrible she was, and when they caught her and tired and fettered her, they were, they were so filthy that they didn't even want to put their hands on her. He told the story with such a way till everyone sitting at the, on the end of their seat listening. He was, and then when he got through, he stepped back through the microphone, a little fellow he was. He said, gentlemen of the religions of this world, has your religion got anything that'll clean the hands of Lady Maccabee? Everybody sat still. He jumped in the air and clicked his heels together and clapped his hands, said the blood of Jesus Christ won't only clean her hands, but it'll clean her heart. No. That's right. That's what the religion of Christianity means. It'll clean them no matter how vile they are. And so that's it. Little Jezebel, when she was a little girl, hopping along around home, skipping, playing, jumping the rope or whatever the little girls did, little did they ever know it should turn out that way. But then what made her what she was was the kind of teaching she got at home. And she was a pagan. And what teachings that you get at home, that's what usually you are. It's what kind of a teachings you listen to. She was taught to hate God, Jehovah, because she, her God was Balaam. And she was taught to hate God and hate God's people. And that hatred for that, in her heart, it made her what she was. But oh my, another thing, no wonder Ahab, his father, was a backslider to begin with, and Ahab was a borderline, lukewarm believer. Just an indebtedness to society of Christianity would be today, and indebtedness to the kingdom of God in that day. He was just a man who was wishy-washy and not stable at all. But I imagine he was a handsome young man with his hair slicked down, you know, and kind of a little, uh, one of these boys that's going out with these here, what do you call them, dragon hot rods, something on that order, you see. One of these little fellows that runs around like today. And you know, it goes to show that he was that type of person or he wouldn't have fell for that type of woman. That's right. Israel was supposed to marry Israelites. They wasn't supposed to mix marriage. You know that's right. right. It wasn't, and you're not supposed to do it today either. Right. Yoke unbelievers with believers. That's against the law of God, against the Bible. And so, you know, little Jezebel had learned one thing in her home, and that was to use paint. That's the heathen trait. Any paint, never in the world, but all painting of faces originated with heathen is always condemned by believers. I hope this goes real far down home, just to make you real good and sick for a few minutes. But now, don't get angry with me. I love you. But I just want to tell you what's true. Remember, I've just returned from the African jungle. Everyone, the tribal, the heathen, on every kind of an occasion, they paint their face and wear a great big earring. The Indian savage heathen 
paints his face and puts on war paint when he goes in and his war is worship around his idols. He paints. She's shame. See? It's a heathen sign. Too bad it ever got in a Christian church, wasn't it? Sure was. That was a weak pulpit what brought that in. The preacher ought to be ashamed of himself. So she was used to painting. She made herself a little butterfly. And, brother, that's the kind that can jilt a many a good man. <clears throat> that's right. See him on the street with a little lip, look like a rosebud, and a whole lot of back factors on that, but that'll never burn out the sin, your ankles. Don't you never think that. God looks right to it. And so Jezebel knows how to put it on and make it look nice. And so when Ahab, this young Jewish boy, become king, she put the, the manicure on her eyes or whatever you call it, you know, and she flapped them back and forth, and Ahab's heart went tumbling because he didn't have God in there to teach him better. That's right. So, my, what a, what a thing that was. Now, when she began to flirt with Ahab, Ahab married her. He thought, that's just the one for me. And a many man's made a mistake like that. A many man has done it. You ought to see her own wash day or when she gets cleaned up. <clears throat> really. Might change your mind altogether. Women shouldn't be married by looks anyhow, but by character. Let me tell you, boy, if you marry her and she's all painted up one of these days, she'll fail. Even if she's pretty, that'll fail one of these days. Wait till her first baby's born and the teeth will go to coming out. A little later on, wrinkles will come over eyes and the hair will get gray. You'll wake up one morning and wonder what you married. Right. I mean that not for a joke. No, sir. That's true. I'm just laying the background here for something I want to say. That's right. But if you love her because there's something about her that you've prayed over and God has joined you together, she can get old and wrinkled and be ugly. That won't make a bit of difference. You'll love her through eternity. What God has joined together, no man to put asunder. That's right. So ask God first. But Ahab, he goes down there and falls for this girl. So he comes up and marries her and brings her into Israel. And when she come up being a pagan, and did you notice Ahab went down there and showed that he was a borderline believer, he just went to dilly-dallying with the world to get this girl. And that's where many persons made a mistake, stepping across the line. God has a boundary line. An old Methodist preacher friend of mine, Brother Kelly, him and Sister Kelly used to sing a song. We let down the bars, we let down the bars, we compromised with sin. We let down the bars, the sheep got out, but how did the goats get in? <laughs> you let down the bars, that's what was the matter. You compromised with sin. That's how the goats got in, because you let down the standard. While old John Smith years ago, who was packed to the pulpit, could only preach two hours this old, he'd only preach two hours, that's without a microphone, he said, the very thought, that's Methodism, early, he said, the very idea that our Methodist daughters are wearing jewelry on their hands, what would he do now to see them in sharks? See? What would he think now? That's Methodist, Baptist, and Pentecostal. Just the same. All the same. I just want to show you where it comes from. Or the background of it is. Then you see why I'm so angry with it. Not with you, but the things of the devil that's making you do that. 
Now, don't think it's because I say this. If you go out and clean up just because I said that, then you're wrong. Yes, get out and pray. And let God come into your heart and you clean up anyhow. I'm sure. Because as long as that spirit's got you in control, you'll fuss at me and fight back and say it's not so and all like this, and you'll shake your head like a sheep with blind staggers, but it won't do any good. Because if the Holy Spirit is in me, you'd better get right of that stuff before you meet the judgment. Right. So don't let your pastor tell you anything different because it's thus saith the Lord in God's Word. That's right. And so we find Jezebel tiring her head, which was cutting her hair, rolling it up, tiring her head, which is a disgrace. A woman that cuts her hair dishonors her husband, the Bible said so. A dishonorable woman should be divorced and put away. So that's a sign that she loves somebody else, according to the Bible, because she dishonors her husband when she does it. You know that's the Bible? How many know that so? Raise up your hand, all knows the Bible says that. And what do you do it for? I wonder why you do it, because your pastor probably never said any different. But we need some strict old-fashioned evangelistic teaching to tear that thing to pieces. That's right. No wonder we can't have a revival. God can send gifts and everything else to a city and, and do miracles and perform things and the people set. No wonder they sin in the camp. We've got to clean that thing out and operate. That's exactly right. And have the church straightened up and running right, and then God will come in and go to doing signs and wonders among us. You know that's right. I don't say that to hurt you. I say I cause I love you. And at the judgment bar, then I've got to stand before every individual here and give an account. That's all for my chest, and that's on yours. So you pray and see what God says. I believe if the Holy Spirit comes into you and you keep that same spirit, you'll keep on doing the same thing. But you just change that spirit to the Holy Spirit, watch how quick you change things. You sure will. Now, and so then. Jezebel, when she got in there, she stomped that little high heel shoe she is wearing, and she said, Now, Ahab, I'll run this business. That's wrong to begin with. The man's the head of the house. All in the United States. The woman's the head of the house here. This is a woman's country. The woman is the God of America. I predict that before the coming of the Lord, that a woman will be a great ruler in the United States because it's a woman's country. Started in Hollywood. That's how it run right on out. And now you see a little old man coming down the street with a little Jezebel with a cigarette in her mouth, puffing along like that. She says, Well, she's holler scat and he jumps to the door. That's right. And at nighttime she's sitting out there with that pretty red fingernails, you know, it looks like eagle's claws and been eating raw beef steak with it. Standing out there, she won't wash the dishes because she's afraid the paint will come off while her poor husband's are scrubbing the dishes after washing like that and you're sitting there sucking a cigarette and he takes care of the baby. That's right. That's rank, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but it's the Bible and the truth. It's exactly right. How could you ever eat a pan of biscuits with a woman that made it with that big long fingernail? I couldn't, I tell you, it would turn my stomach. I just couldn't do it. So, anyhow, but oh my, it's all right. But you little weakling man, I'm ashamed of you as Christian brothers. Well, let your wife do such a thing as that. It shows what you are made out of. That's right. Now, women, you ought to say amen if you're busting at you like that because he's the ruler. <laughs> That's right. And the way he lets you do it, it's his fault. God's going to hold him responsible for it. That's right. If you ain't man enough to take up and put your own house in order, God be merciful to you. That's right. Because the Bible said in the very beginning that he shall rule over thee. Now, she's not a doormat now. She's your sweetheart, see. 
but you should sit down and talk to her and reason it with her and tell her and read the Bible and pray together, these things wouldn't be in the church then if you didn't know. That's right. So Jessie Bell, when she comes over, her little husband one day got kind of upset because that a man wouldn't break the tradition of God and the laws of God to let him have his place because the law said that he should keep his heritage and be handed down, neighbor. But then when we find out that he wouldn't do it, Ahab began to pine and run in and fell across the bed and little Jezebel, a little butterfly, come and got him up in her lap and said, Now, dear, what's wrong with you? said, Oh, Naboth wouldn't let me have his, uh, his vineyard. She said, Don't worry, I'll get it for you. Who's the ruler of this kingdom anyhow? See, that puts me like in the mind of the denominational barriers. <laughs> See, I'll get it for you. You just let me have my way. I'll get it. And she stomped her little foot and run out there and got some more guys that was kind of backsiders and went over and set up a false accusation against Naboth and had him stoned and killed. But remember, when such sin as that goes on among the people, God's always got somebody that will stand out and tell them about it. Amen. Yes, sir. He had a tishbite by the name of Elijah. Walked right out there and told them people that was wrong. He said, God will make you answer for that kind of stuff. Right. right. No matter how vile it gets, somewhere God's going to have a witness to speak against it. That's all. Somewhere he'll able these stones to rise children to Abraham. He'll do it in some way, somewhere, by somebody. And there, all the prophets, oh my, Jezebel might turn on them. And they, they just took water and went on. But old Elijah stood out there and he told them right exactly that God will make you pay for it and you're against God and really told him what was right and wrong. And she hated him. My, did she hate him. Sure. And you go to telling the truth to people, many times they'll hate you instead of repenting. Right. You ought to be repenting and thanking God to know what's true. That's right. But oh, she hated that prophet. My. So he goes up there, and she has a, a false accusation set up against Naboth and had him stoned to death. And the man died in his, out there in the street. And then he, she thought, oh, nobody never knows about that. That's all right. I sent two of my ambassadors up there and sat on the stand and accused him of being a traitor to God and to the king. When the man was perfectly innocent and they stoned him, she thought, that'll be all right. But just as sure as you know that sin and wickedness lies at your door, there's a God of heaven who knows all things. Remember that. He does. He knows all things. And then when he did that, he spoke to Elijah and said, Go down there and meet Ahab and tell him, Thus saith the Lord. Amen. I love that. Oh, my. When sin does abound, grace does much more abound. That's right. That he had somebody down there who'd go skinny down for him. So he met Ahab coming on the road. And Ahab was going up there to take possession. And he had the, they had the man killed because that he was absolutely doing exactly what God told him to. That inheritance was to fall from generation to generation. And if he lost it anyway, it had to be redeemed by a kinsman. Read the book of Ruth and the kinsman laws and see if that isn't right. So she had him killed for his voice, and Ahab come supposingly to know better. The word was before him, and the prophet was before him, 
And instead of that soul land crazy, to have a beautiful garden next to his face, so he goes up there and takes it over by force. And Elijah met him on the road and told him, said, because that you did this, you murder, said, uh, the dogs that lick Naboth's blood is going to lick your blood in the same place. Brother, I mean, when God gets enough of anything, he gets enough of it. He said, besides that, that Jezebel that you married. <laughs> oh, my. He didn't care to talk about his wife. And said, that Jezebel that you married, the dogs will even eat her in the streets in Jezebel. And the dung will be over the ground that they can't even say, here lies Jezebel. Oh, my. Woman, you wouldn't want to be like that, would you? Not even remember slept ever anywhere. Said that, and you can remember when you see all that going on like that, the only woman in the Bible that did that, God fed her to the dog. Right. That's, when you see a woman doing that, you say, that's some dog meat then, you see, because that's what God did. He fed it to the dogs. He fed them kind of women to the dogs. So you keep away from that. Clean up. Amen. Get right with God. What we need is an old-fashioned scouring out, digging out. Get those weeds out of the pack so the corn can grow. Jesus is coming. All right, that's what we need. Back to the old hewing line again. Back to the way. God will come among us, but as long as you've got the world mixed in, God won't move. You wonder sometimes why that things are going the way they are. You just look around a little while. Pray a little bit, and God will condemn sin. Notice, and then the first thing you know, the thing got worse. And Elijah stood up in the mountains up there alone. God told him, said, go down there, showed him a vision. Said, I just got enough of this. Said, go down there and tell Ahab that I will not, will not let rain or even dew come until you call for it. Now, a man of God will always follow the true word of God. Now, Jezebel had threatened him and everything else. Well, you say, now, Brother Branham, wait a minute before you leave Jezebel. That little woman may not have had a chance. She was born to pagans. She didn't have a chance. Oh, yes, she did, too. She had a pastor, Pastor Elisha. <laughs> and Elisha wasn't afraid to tell her about it. Don't think God always puts the light there. She just refused to walk in the light. That was all. Right. Oh, she didn't want to call Elijah her pastor, certainly not. She had other far more dignified men for her pastor, but God sent Elijah to be her pastor. No matter how much she hated him, she hated him because the Jewish religion was too straight for her. That's what's the matter of the day, that people want to act like the world and talk like the world and dress like the world and make the church and the world all the same. The Christian Holy Ghost religion is too straight for them. That's the only thing. Amen. The reason you want to call them holy rulers and say they haven't got the right mind and things is too straight for you to live it. That's what's the matter. And some of you people who used to be that way is turned aside. What am I saying? Mine. Maybe that's good. But is there like Mama used to give me cast oil and she said, I just gag to think of it. She said, if it don't make you sick, it don't do you any good. <laughs> Maybe that's the same thing here. If it gets you right sick of yourself, maybe fix your 
your spiritual gastronomic so he can really take the word. No wonder Elijah went out and stomped up into a palace and right up past all the guards and things, and he told Ahab with his finger in his face, said, There will not even be dew come from the heavens till I call for it. Oh, my. Why? God has spoke to him. He was with the word of God, so he wasn't scared. Don't never be afraid. Michael wasn't afraid with the word of God. No man's afraid when you got the word of God and the vision of God moving with the word. The reason Michael could condemn against them prophets and tell them they were wrong and they had the devil's spirit in them because there was fashions and everything that they were doing and because they were not lined up with the word and God give the true vision to the true prophets. And he was trying to line them up. And now, and today, the true vision is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The true prophet is the baptism of is the Holy Spirit himself. He is the one that comes and lines us with the Word. And notice, not some bishop or archbishop, but the Holy Spirit leads the church. Amen. Now, watch. Now we find out that, could you imagine Ahab standing there and looking at him, the king, and this old fellow, maybe he looked like a fuzzy worm with all of his beard and hair sticking out like that and a piece of sheepskin around him. The Bible said he was hairy all over anyhow. I'd imagine he was a pretty looking sight standing there in a king's court, but shaking his finger in his face and said, The dew will not even fall from heaven till I call for it. Amen. He had thus saith the Lord. Stomped right back out into the wilderness. After he got by, I could hear Ahab all her, ha, ha, ha. And that old quack come here and say a thing like that. Did you ever hear such, ha, ha. Why, we got the clergyman set here who know all these things. Wow, there's nothing wrong here. He's this old-fashioned and old fogey, but he had dust, hey, it's the Lord. Yes, sir, and he stomped right back out of the wilderness. Some of them said, watch the way he goes. Oh, don't pay attention to it. And he went up by the brook Cedrus and sat down. Up there, the Lord told him, he said, go up there. For I'm going to take care of you while you're up there. I like that. You mind the Lord, and the Lord will take care of you. You just do what thus saith the Lord is, and he'll take care of you. And Elijah goes up there and sits down, just as confident that the rain was going to fall as he could be. And the first thing you know, come a drought. However, all the springs dried up, and they thought he was crazy. And here he was, he was an old fogey. He was old-fashioned, everything like that, and an old crank in his preaching. But he was God's pastor to the nation then, day. Pastor Elisha, the fishbite. And uh, so uh, they wouldn't listen to him. But they said he was a little off. But he goes up and sits down by the spring, uh, by the will of God, and here was people down here in the valley where all the hydrants was and all the springs boiling up, starving to death for a drink of water, and there said Elijah up there drinking any time he wanted to. Because he had thus saved the Lord. Now I wonder today if you think because you've got a great big denomination you belong to or some great big church with a cross on top of it and a million dollar church organ that you can drink any time you want to. I tell you, the springs only open at thus saith the Lord. There he stood up there getting a good old spiritual drink any time he wanted to. The water's dried up down here in the land. 
I think today a whole lot of trouble that the waters is dried up in our lands, too, our Christian lands. What was the matter? A long time ago, we used to have old-fashioned meetings where the people would cry and walk up and down the aisle and lay on their face all night and pray and bring their children in and to the kingdom of God. And today, they got babysitters and and. They used to as a shame for a woman to smoke a cigarette. Today, the whole company of people smoke cigarettes, and it used to be a shame for a woman to paint and use all these things. But today, it's just all this one. You can't tell the Christian from the other. It's all the same. You know what's the matter? Your water line's been cut off. That's what's the matter. You're in a desert. That's the reason you got church buses all the time. You know that. You take a, a, a any kind of plant and put it on the desert where there's no water, it gets stickers on it. And you take that same plant and put it where there's a lot of water, it gets soft. And why is it? It's because it's dry. And that's what's the matter with the churches today. The fuss is, Lord of God, I'm a Baptist. Hallelujah. I'm a Presbyterian. I'll tell you, we have the best selection of pastors. Yes, sir. We don't have to take your old Pentecostal theology. I'll tell you, I belong to the assemblies. That's who I am. We're as great as the rest of them. I belong to the United. I belong to this, that, or other. Oh, I see your stickers. Your water supply is gone. That's what's the matter. That's just what's the matter. The water's been cut off. You don't have the things like you used to have years ago. The miracles and things are not in the church. The feeling, the, the fellowship's not in the church like it used to be. What's the matter? The glory spring that led to your hallelujah garden was cut off. What did it? Sin. Sin. Getting in the church and getting in you is what did it. Because the weakness of the pulpit to keep the lines unstopped. That's right. Amen. That's the truth. It might seem awful crude, but it's the truth. And if you don't stop and call an old-fashioned prayer meeting and get back to God, what will you be in ten years from now? Somebody better raise up and go to preaching this thing and get this thing out of the church. It's a cancer, and it's eating to the bone. Get it out. God send evangelists who will stand on the Word and preach your Word when you see that thing going on, and then let it go like that. Well, here the day I met a bunch of women who was having a prayer meeting, shouting and speaking in tongues, with sharks on smoking cigarettes. Pentecostal, God have mercy. It's backslidden sinners. That's exactly what it is. I'm not judged, but by their fruits you shall know them. Do you realize it's insanity? Do you realize there's only one time in the Bible that anyone ever stripped their clothes off and that was a devil-possessed person? Do you realize that all this stuff that's going on today, these rock and roll parties that you're, you all are attending, up in them places when they go so frantic and get in such a maneuver to Presley and them, the young ladies take their underneath clothes off and throw them up on the platform for him to autograph and call that civilization? When they send dozens of them to the insane silent afterwards, and our radio programs and everything nearly you hear is full of that chaos, it's the devil, like a roaring lion. And they're bringing that same thing of boogie-woogie and everything into the church, way in the hot tops of Africa, that same mournful sound. When I see them stand there, and the witch doctors, they go in them sounds, heathens just paint over their face. 
and the young women have danced out there to the sex parties and everything else. And America and its has reached the top of civilization and swinging backwards and going into heathens again, painting and rocking and rolling just and and even calling themselves church members. Amen. Many a time they had one here in Canada not long ago, and I think they sent ten kids in two days at that to the insane institution. Sure, I better settle down to the old fashioned gospel and come back to Christ. Certainly, then, draw the lines between right and wrong. Elijah is setting up there on the hill, and they said he was a crank. They said he didn't know what he was talking about. And here they was down here with nothing to eat. The wheat crops didn't produce. Didn't have no water. They didn't have nothing but gnawing of the tongue. And they said that he was a crank. And there he was setting up there, a whole lot better off than many of you people are here in Chicago tonight. That's right. He was setting up there first in the will of God, setting by a spring of water with crows bringing him something to eat. <laughs> he had porters that brought him something to eat. Every time he got hungry, here come a crow with a sandwich and give it to him. And he eat, sat down and drink, got up, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, if that isn't fine, I never told it. That's living in luxury to me. Wouldn't it be you? Sure it was. And knowing that he was in the will of God, Someone said to me one time, said, Brother Brandon, do you actually believe those crows brought him meat and bread? I said, Yes, sir. He said, How do you know we did? I said, The Bible said so. So, he said, Well, listen, I want to ask you a question then. Where did they get it? I said, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> but I said, The only thing I know, they brought it, he eats it. And I said, just like the question you asked me a while ago, what makes me shout and stare on the way I do? It's the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you where it comes from, but I know it gets here, and I just take it. That's the only thing I can do. God sent it, and I love it. Amen. Well, as long as you're in the will of the Lord, what difference does it make? I don't care where it comes from, as long as the Lord sent it to me, it's good. Amen. I just receive it. I don't care what the world thinks about it. Go ahead and all your tongues and... All your water dried up, no hallelujah in the church, and all condemnation sitting around, picking, taking fingernails while the preachers bring his little sissy-five, ten-cent store message, try to pat you on the back and everything, then. That's right. Uh, that's not Presbyterian. That's Pentecostal. <laughs> right. Oh, that's rough, isn't it? But it's the truth. Yes, sir. Watch you all I have is some more John the Baptist. <laughs> An old message like that, a man filled with the Holy Ghost, you walked right up in the face of sin and said, It's not lawful for you to have her. That's right. Amen. That's what the Bible says to do. That's the lady to the root of the tree. That's right. Cut her down. That's what we need is the circumcision. Circumcision means to cut off surplus flesh. That's what we need in a Pentecostal church tonight. Is some surplus flesh and nonsense cut out of it. That's exactly right. Back to the old hewing line. Elijah sitting up there for three years, just having a good time, under the anointing of the Lord every day and every night. Every time a crow would come by, dip right down, give him a sandwich, and he'd eat it, get up and praise the Lord, give him a drink of water, shout a little while, and step back down again. Well, that isn't wonderful. And then they begin to find out 
Daughter, what become of that holy roller? Wonder, well, he might have been right after all. So then they started on a hunt for him. So they hunted every nation, trying to find him, but he was, they couldn't find him. Certainly not. So the Lord said, Ahab, or uh, Elijah, I want you to go down and meet Ahab. So down the mountain he comes and walked up, and when Ahab met him, he said, Oh, here you are. <laughs> so this is you, hunt. You're the one that troubles Israel. Oh, my. You know what he said? He said, it isn't me, it's you and your little Jezebel that's done it. That's exactly right. You brought this witchcraft into Israel and done these things that you've done. You're the one that's done this. And he said, that's what the people are today. They try to say, oh, they make too much noise and they do this and that. That's the trouble of it. Listen, it's not the... The doctor, it's the disease that causes the trouble. <laughs> That's right. It's the disease. It's the sin that cut off her blessings. That's the sin that's in. Not because you haven't got good pastors. Not because you haven't got fine churches. Not because you haven't got this, that, or the other. Sure you have. But it's the sin that's cutting you away from these, these things that you ought to have. It's sin that's keeping the church in that raptured condition all the time. It's sin. Not the building, not the church, but the sin that's in the church. So then, he said, call him up on Mount Carmel here and we'll find out who's God. Let the God that answers the fire be God. Let's prove and see who's God. Oh, I I'm so happy to know that we still have the same God. That the God that is God still answers like God, talks like God, walks like God, heals like God, saves like God, and cleans up like God. Amen. Still the same God. It's true. God is a visiting the people today. God is in His church trying to purge the things, take out the leaven out of it. He's sending messengers, signs and wonders and miracles and everything, trying to prove that he loves them and he wants them to clean up. Get rid of this here, all this carrying on, staying home on Wednesday night from prayer meeting to look at this old silly stuff of an old woman from Hollywood that's married four or five different times and some guy that's run with half the women on the West Coast who loves Lucy's and all these things like that, and you Christian people stay home to see that and stay away from the house of God, it shows what kind of a spirit is in you. Amen. I've got it home from the FBI files. Any minister can get them at want to. If you only know the filth and things of them people that you make your example. Dress like them, act like them, talk like them. Brother, read the Bible. Talk like a Christian, act like a Christian, be like a Christian, live like a Christian. What we need today. Not any paint and scissors that cut your hair that bothers you. It's that spirit in you that makes you go get it. <laughs> That's what it is. Max Thatcher could make all of it he wanted to and lay it over there, and if you as a Christian, you'd never touch it. I mean, if you're just baptized with the Holy Ghost and living where you ought to live. 
Right. And your pastor preached the truth and let you know about it. You wouldn't even care a bit. How could you sell old button shoes down on the street today, them high laced up shoes which you got more leather in them and a dozen pair of these little things that you pay $25 for? A little strap across the toe and a big old red painted toenail sticking out like that and a heel slopping around through the rain and you go down the street like that. That's right. That's right. But you couldn't sell that old-fashioned shoe because you don't want it. You done seen Martha Susiana out there wear some other kind. See? You want to dress like her. You don't want that dress that hangs loose. You want that that's like you're poured into it because that you've seen Susie on the uh, television and the radio and in the magazine, the devil putting all that stuff around young kids drinking beer, uh, Ertl's 92 and slits and all this kind of stuff. It, that's a lie. And nothing but that turns young men and women to batty-eyed wretches to drink that stuff. It's the devil. It builds the insane institutions. It builds the prostitute houses. It does everything else. It breaks up home. It causes rape and murder and everything else. And cigarettes poisons the mind. Causes cancer. And the medical association, even decent enough to place it out, and you continually smoke that devil's weed. I don't know why I'm saying this for. That don't sound like me, but I, I'm going to say it anyhow as long as it's coming out like that. Just, right. It's wrong. Get away from it. Christians, get filled with God. Yes, one day when the final time comes for God's word to be answered, Elijah's prophecy to be fulfilled, the dogs licked the blood of Ahab right in the same place before they could wash the chariot in the pool of uh, at Samaria. When they went out to wash the chariot where he was shot and killed, the dogs licked his blood. And when Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the righteous man with a right daddy behind him, had made a right man and a real king. Jehoshaphat was a man of God. See what he produced? See, and Jehu, when he come riding through there fiercely on this chariot, he cleaned up everything that was called sin. I mean, he cleaned house. We need some more Jehus today. That's right. Ride fiercely to the ranks and scatter the things. Call black, black, and white, white. Right. Right, right, and wrong, wrong. And when he come down through there, little Miss Jezebel, she thought, well, I'm a vamp anyhow, you know. Said, I'm all pretty. And she goes over there and gets her makeup kit, you know, and she begins to fix her face all up with all that makeup and stuff. And, you know, and I've seen women do that in a restaurant and then take a piece of paper, a napkin, and it like that. Putting in the mind of a mad dog trying to bite a stick or something. And all like that, and look back again and make it around like that. And then she fixed herself all up, and she fixed her hair all manicured up just the way it was supposed to be, you know. And she thought she looked all pretty. She comes strutting out, you know, with that new type of dress on. She looked out the window, and she said, You never had red. <laughs> Jehu was a man of God. That didn't go with him. He was the right kind of a pastor. He was a real evangelist. He said, Who's for me and God up there? And two of her eunuchs had enough gone about him left that we are to throw out the window. Amen. <laughs> Say, he got rough, didn't he? 
And when she hit the street, the blood splashed on the horses and up on the chariot. The letter lay there and drove on over. He didn't know even what. He was still in the will of God, so the Word of God will work with the will of God always. Goes over and sits down and eats his dinner and said, well, that's a pretty good cleanup today. Said, you ought to go beer because she was a king's daughter. And when she got there, he forgot that the Word of God must be fulfilled. What was left? The palms of her hand and her skull, the dogs that eat her up. If you only know what, that has to be a strange thing because dogs won't touch human blood. That's right. It's God pushing them to do it. That's right. I know that. I know that for truth. Yes, so they won't touch human blood. And so then these dogs would eat her up because God had commanded them to do it. And there she was in that disgrace. The word of the God prevailed. It'll always prevail, friends. I'm not angry with you. I love you. I want you. I, I better keep with my evangelistic services. <laughs> oh, maybe I get too rough. I don't mean to be. I love you. But, brother, sister, that's the truth. That's the truth, so help me. And I could say this, it's thus saith the Lord, for it's his word. That's right. Now get that old cancer condition away from the church. Get out of it, women. Get out of it, man. Not only women, but man too. And preacher also. You've let down the bar, Pastor. There's something wrong with you. You haven't prayed to, or you'd absolutely see your congregation getting in that condition. You'd stand and resist the thing if you preached the four walls. Yes, exactly. That's the truth. You would do it. And what we need is a fash, old-fashioned scouring out, cleaning up. And you Pentecostal people don't watch. The Baptists and Presbyterians going to take your blessing and go on to glory with it. Famous Baptist ministers and Presbyterian and Lutherans are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost saying, We're hungry for it, Brother Brown. We're hungry for it. And they're going on and on. Some of the outstanding men in the nation hungering for God. Oh, let's clean up. That's all of us, the Lutherans, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Pentecostal. We're not divided. We're all one big church of the living God. Let's join our hands with one another, our hearts together, look over towards Calvary, march on through the ranks. Let's go on to victory, to victory. Jesus is coming soon, friends. And remember, you people here, try to be that called out group. Remember the Bible said in the last church age will be that Lady Ocean church age, lukewarm. That's just where the Pentecostal church has got to. That's where they're all getting, if you don't watch, God's going to come down and pull a little remnant out here and here and here, make up the bride and be gone, see. So let's be up now and believe God and have faith in God and believe that God is here. And the God that was in Elijah is the same God that's right here tonight. He's the same God that would... Uh, you might not want to receive it, but it's God just the same. He, <clears throat> he is. And he does miracles. He shows visions. He sends powers. He heals the sick. He has revelations. He just everything, just exactly what God has always done. How can we then, friends, in the light of this Bible, ever sit still and still live the same way? Here's the only thing you do. Now, when you leave the church tonight, you say, you know, I'll try to leave Brother Brandon's right. Yeah, I, that is true. But tomorrow you go right back into the office. When you oughtn't to go, if your husband's sick, you need to do it. But if it isn't, listen, sister dear, God made you for one place, the kitchen. When you get out of there, you're out of his will. Remember that. Women was made to be a helpmate at the house. She never was made for office work. 
and it's caused more disgrace and divorces and things. And today, even your lovely city is degraded as far as ours is with women cops on the street. If that ain't a disgrace to Chicago or anything else, when thousands of men walk in the street wanting a job. Exactly the truth. And big, oh my, hey, get over there! <laughs> you ought to be in the kitchen cooking your husband a pie for supper. Something exactly that. I know you. That, that's hard, friend. But that's said not with scorn. It's said with love. That I love you, and I want you to understand it in that way. But you can't see sin and set still. <laughs> that's all. I, I I don't like it, and I sit in people. And the people here and the people I preach to are people who love me and, and, and my living comes for them people. God puts it up on their heart and they give me living. But when I stand in the judgment bar, God looks down to me in the presence of that great light of God and say, William Branham, you know better than that. And you let them headlong plunge into it. I'll require their blood at your hands. God forbid. No, no, no. I'll say it, my dear brother, sister, preacher, if God gives me breath as long as I live. And when that day, it'll, it, 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 I won't even say it was well done, my good and faithful servant. I, that's what I want him to say. And I want him to say, all oh, you happy people now, aren't you glad that you circumcised from them things of the world? Just like us preaching tonight on the shore and sheep. You're a sheep, and the reason the Spirit has left the church is because the Spirit only stays on sheep. And you say, now, Brother Branham, now you're talking about us women and us men doing these things. That's, if I want to take a little drink, Brother Branham, after I come home from work, that's my American privilege. That's right. If I want to smoke a good cigar, that's none of your business. That's my privilege. That's right. But if you're a sheep, you're willing to give up and be shorn of your own life. Your own privilege. A sheep is willing to lay down and say, take off of him or come on him. His, is that right? You say, if I want to wear a dress and a skirt and I want to do this the way I want to do it, that's my business. That's my American privilege. The American public puts it out, and it's legal. They won't run me off the street with it. And if I want to do it, I'll do it. That's my privilege. That's right, madam. That's exactly right. But if you're a lamb, you're ready to forfeit your rights to be a lamb of God. That's right. If you are a lamb, you'll forfeit your rights. That's true. So you ought to do that. And if you, if you just go out and don't try to say, well, I'm going to quit it, pray till God just, just makes it so real to you, you'll quit yourself, if you'll just do that. And now, we're here to help you, not to hurt you, but to be a blessing to you. And I pray that you'll take this little old cut-up evangelistic message tonight to your heart and go home and pray over it and say, God, be merciful to me. How many believe that it's the truth and say, I accept it as the truth, Rachel. God bless you. Fine. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, in the light of thy blessed holy word, yet with this pouring into my heart, but holding back for this prayer line that's coming up, I pray, God, that you'll help now and may that which I was going to say press on into their hearts anyhow. Grant it, Lord, and let it be received in the spirit of love, not in rebuke. But in the spirit of love, seeing this great cancer of sin moving in on these blessed children of yours, and how the pastor sits silent and don't say nothing about it. Oh, God, raise up man that'll stand out. Grant it, Lord. Send some more teach bites, Elijah, alone. That'll 
really stand regardless, granted, Father, and preach that they can see the light. Oh, yes, Jezebel had the light, plenty of it. She had Mount Carmel light to see that God answered prayer and performed miracles. She knew it, but she wasn't willing to sacrifice and to walk in the light. And I pray, Father, that you will bless each one here tonight and get glory and heal the sick now and let it be known that the God of Elijah still lives tonight, that he's still the same God. And I'll ask this in Jesus' name, and while we have our heads bowed, I wonder tonight, I want everyone praying, I wonder tonight, in the little talk that we just had, as a little family talk together, here the my part of the service closing tomorrow night, I wonder if you would say, Brother Branham, by this, not Brother Branham, Lord God, I'm guilty of these things, but I'm ashamed of myself. I, I have been going to church and calling myself a Christian. I've been taking a little drink. I've been smoking a little. I tell some foul jokes and with the crowd, and I take a drink to be sociable. But I'm ashamed of myself, Brother Brennan, as a profession to be a servant of Christ. I realize it's the wrong spirit making me do that. And the woman say, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself, Brother Brennan. I, I did have my hair all cut off, and I know the Bible says me not to do that. I know I spent a big part of my time in a beauty shop. You should look your best, sister. That's right. Be clean and neat and lovely and sweet. I know your husband will appreciate you like that. But, uh, you look a lot better to let your hair grow out. Women are supposed to have that. They ain't supposed to look like man. Man's not supposed to have long hair. The Bible says for him not. You say, I've used paint and makeup, Brother Brandon. I've used the wrong kind of clothes. I know I've thrown myself before, man. Listen, i said this. I want to say it again. With your head down, Sister dear, you may be as pure as a lily to your husband. You may be just as pure and undefiled from those things. But did you know at the judgment you may be called on as committing adultery? You know, Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Well, what if you dress yourself that way and you go out on the street and a sinner man looks at you and lusts after you? Then he's going to have to answer for adultery at the day of judgment, and you're going to be the one that's guilty. And you'll have to answer for adultery in the presence of God, and no adulteress will ever enter heaven. You've presented yourself before him to look that way. You see what I mean? Bless your heart. I don't want you to be all disappointed at judgment. I want you to go, you might be pure and clean as you can be. You may be just a lovely type of a woman. But if you dress yourself like that and man lusts for you, and you presented yourself to man like that, and they do, you'll answer at the day of judgment as an adulterer. Exactly right. The Bible said so. See, this word deep. For years I've passed through this country of America, my homeland. I told you all a few years ago, I went through this land praying for the sick, the signs and wonders. I said, one of these days, I'm coming back. I'm coming with the gospel truth. That's right. If I can win the love of the people, then I want to tell them what's true. That's what I'm doing. Are you guilty? No one raising your head now. Everybody in prayer. Would you raise your hand to Christ and say, By your help, God, cleanse my heart tonight and let me be a different person, both man or woman. Would you just raise your hands to Christ right now? God bless you. That's fine. Everywhere. By your help, Christ, from this night on, I want to pray till you give me a different spirit that will make me look different and act different. I don't want to act like the world. Be separate from the world. Come out from among the unclean. 
the uncircumcised, touch not their unclean things, their old sexy clothes, and they're smoking and they're drinking and they're gambling and they're dirty jokes. Don't associate yourself with it. God, do you think that gentle dove of God could ever stay in a place like that where all the old dirty things are going on? No, friend, no, no. It'll depart in a meter. So if you've got that in you, get rid of it tonight, will you? Now, there's been at least 30, 40 hands up. Now, I want to pray for you. Now, dear God, if I should go home to glory tonight, as I trust that I will someday, I hope that you keep me here a long time till you're finished with me, believing that you will. But I feel that I have told the truth in the light of the gospel. And I pray, God, that it received right now. And these hands that went up, they were convinced that they've been wrong. They're sincere, Lord. We don't want them to feel hurt. We want them to feel blessed. And we want them now, if it be your divine will, which I know it is, to put a due spirit in them. They don't want to act like that. Man don't want to drink and carry on like that and tell those smutty jokes. And women don't want to paint their faces and act like heathens and be marked by a trait of heathenism. God, we pray that you will help them tonight and bless them all. And now that the and save all the sinners, Lord. Call the backsliders back to the place again of the blessings of God. Take out all the old clogs and the stuff that's clogging up the line from the irrigation that runs into the garden of hallelujah where the flowers eternal grow and the blessed perfume of God's holy presence is with them all the day. God grant the water supply is cut off because sin has done it. God, remove all sin tonight and water that garden again with your blessings and your blood, Lord, that it'll, the sin will be taken away. And now, Lord, that the people would know that you're still the Lord Jesus and that I be your servant. I pray now, after this hard, crude talking, I pray that you'll anoint me just now, Lord, with the Holy Spirit that'll speak things and heal the sick to let, you, let the people know that you love them and it's your message and you want them to be well and prosper and do good things. Grant it, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for speaking to us today. May the words that we've heard percolate to the depths of our hearts and change our nature from within. Go beyond the flesh, the spirit, and right into the inner man and connect with our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock.com. 2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
It's good. 